You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hey, hey, this is Brandon and Jess coming at you from the new fancy podcast studios, the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast studios. Also known as the tiny guest bedroom in our Barcelona apartment. It's super high tech. We got pillows everywhere (laughs) to try and get rid of those pop pops. (laughs) But I do want to kind of shout out Brandon for changing his intro. Yeah, that took a lot of uh, extra planning. (laughs) (laughs) He's been working on it in his little red book for, I don't know, the last couple of dozen minutes. (laughs) And he came up with, hi, it's Brandon. (laughs) Hey, that's it. That's all I got. (laughs) Today, we are talking about nipple orgasms, and I'm going to answer one of your questions about what to do when your partner can't orgasm, when they can orgasm on their own, but not with their partner. And we've talked about this before, more from a goal-oriented perspective, like here are some ways you can learn to have an orgasm with your partner, but I want to talk about it from a different angle because this question came in just a little differently. And beginning of December, we're here, the holiday season is upon us, people have been throwing holiday parties already for from a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I got invited to a holiday party, I think, on the end of November. Don't brag. I'm getting like no invitations. I'm just saying. I got, I got one. <laughs> That's all I've got so far. But you didn't go. No, I didn't go. <laughs> Uh, I wonder if people are throwing as many parties because of this terrible cold and flu going around. People are knocked off their feet sick. So I hope that you are not at home listening because you're stuck at home sick. But I want to say to everyone, and I mean, this maybe doesn't apply, but I love you, but please don't come near me if you have a cold or flu. <laughs> you get you get two random cough or sneezes. Once we get to number three, you're sick. Stay it's away all, from me, man. I'm all, counting. I'm counting. It's all over. So busy season, hopefully a more relaxing season than in previous years. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously there's less stress around COVID because most of us are triple, quadruple vaccinated. Um, we're, many of us are still practicing social distancing and wearing masks. Uh, it seems like everyone here in Barcelona is sick as a dog. I'm really excited about this year. I'm going to go around licking random objects on the street. Right. If you know Brandon, that's not true. <laughs> he does not like germs. Keep the sick people away, but yeah, I'm going to go around licking things. Yeah. Well, anyhow, hope everyone's doing well. Hope you're doing well. Uh, I wanted to mention the fact that it was just World AIDS Day a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago for you now. And want to talk about the fact that HIV and conversations around HIV AIDS have really, I guess, fallen to the wayside in light of the fact that we're going through this global pandemic. And with the focus on the pandemic over the last few years, resources, whether it's, you know, related to press coverage or money or agency supports have actually really dwindled, which means that millions of more people are at risk. And HIV is a virus that is an epidemic and absolutely positively does not need to be an epidemic. We have the tools, we have the technology, we have the medical advancements to eradicate this virus. And a big part of why we've been unable to do so has to do with stigma and honestly inequities both locally you know in our communities but also across the globe and these inequities really perpetuate the epidemic in their in the fact that they hinder access to prevention to testing to treatment especially to new technologies that can be costly and are oftentimes for profit so we need to address these inequities and maybe that's not something you can do at this very moment although you can do it with your vote I'm sure but just a reminder that if you get tested and if you talk about getting tested, it helps to break 
the stigma and um, talking about safer sex. And of course, yes, addressing the systems that create these health inequities are important. But just a reminder that this is a great time to go get tested and know your status because an estimated 40% of new transmissions of HIV come from folks who have absolutely no clue what their status is. Yeah, that was surprising to me. And what was really surprising was years ago when you started talking about PrEP and the ability to, to to just essentially eradicate the disease, as you'd mentioned. I had no idea that that was PrEP was something that you could take in advance. Right. So, so pre-exposure prophylaxis. So if you are high risk for one reason or another, you can actually take the pill to reduce your risk of having HIV transmitted to you. So if you're HIV negative, you would consider PrEP. If you've had an exposure, like if you had unprotected sex and you don't know your status, you don't know a partner's status, you can also take post-exposure prophylaxis. So a lot of people will liken this to the birth control as prevention and the morning after pill as another form of prevention post-exposure. So those options are out there. Many of them are very affordable. There are federal programs across the globe, obviously stronger in richer, Western countries. So for example, in Canada and the States, because I know, I mean, that's where a lot of you all spend your time. There are many programs that are government funded either by the CDC, by the Public Health Agency of Canada, by Canadian AIDS Treatment and uh, Katie, C-A-T-I-E dot org. You can check out information there and learn more about your options for treatment, prevention, and testing. So just wanted to kind of put that out there because it's that time of year and we all, I think, need the reminder. I always need the reminder about testing. And if you're sexually active, it is good to get tested. I recently spoke to to an STI doc around how often you should get tested. And she wasn't able to say, hey, everyone should get tested every three months or everyone should get tested every six months or every 12 months. It really does depend on your situation, on how many sexual partners you have, on what type of sex you are practicing. So you should really just talk to a healthcare pr- practitioner about your specific needs. And if you're not happy with your healthcare practitioner in that area, hopefully you can find someone who is more, more sex positive. All right, so we've talked a little bit about safer sex, and now we'll talk about another part, important component of safer sex, which is pleasure. And uh, I have a question here that I, I really want to address. I think it's a great question. I love the way it's framed. I feel like, like most of you, this person is already really on the right path and just maybe needs a little bit of reassurance and a few specific suggestions. So here we go. This one is about orgasm. I have a new partner, and he doesn't orgasm during sex. We enjoy sex and he orgasms when masturbating, but as he describes it, he gets in his head and has a block when it comes to climax during sex with another person. He has experienced this for a couple of years since before I met him, and he's doing individual work to figure it out. I'm wondering how I can be a good sexual partner to someone who experiences this. Are there things we could try together that might make it easier for him or ease some of the emotions that come up for both of us around this? We have a close bond, open communication, strong feelings of love and safety together. We enjoy sensual touch and sex, and I don't feel like every sexual encounter has to end in orgasm, but I would love to experience orgasm together sometime. Any thoughts? So my first thought is that you've got something beautiful and amazing and you know, this really isn't about you. And I think that you already know this. Uh, I think that it's perfectly fine that he doesn't orgasm during partnered sex. And I also think it's perfectly fine that you would love to experience that because it sounds like you're coming at this from 
a place or from a, a perspective of zero pressure. You're not saying like, no, no, we've got to do this. I need to have this. This is super important to me. It just sounds like something you'd love to try. And I love that approach. So I think you're already on the right track. So oftentimes when we hear about a partner not being able to orgasm with another partner, it's often someone with a clit, someone with a vulva. And so when the roles are reversed, I think there can be additional challenges to navigate around gender roles, right? Around feelings of emasculation, around feelings of what it is to be feminine when you're in these hetero relationships so I thought I'd throw it to you babe because you've you've had trouble orgasming in the past and we I think we've talked about this like a long time ago when you were on you were on antidepressants yeah I was prescribed some medication back when I was younger and I could not orgasm it just would not happen but uh, more recently over the years sometimes I get in my own head like I find it's a mental block for me where I, I start wondering during sex is like, am, am I going to have an orgasm? What's the matter? And then once I go down that rabbit hole, then it kind of just, for me, kills everything. Like it, it just destroys the whole experience. So getting over that mental block would probably be the biggest thing. And as you said, the fact that their partner seems very supportive and it's a non-pressured environment, I would want that going into that, you know, having the sex. I'd want to know that it's not like, okay, today we're going to make sure you have an orgasm. It's like, let's just see where this goes. And for me, that would remove a lot of the, um, I think the pressure associated with that focus. Isn't it interesting how the pressure has shifted? Like when you were younger, you talked about the fact that you were like, <laughs> like you were oh afraid God, you were only going to last happen. 12 seconds. Yeah. And then as you get older, so I should kind of tell the story. So when you were really young, when you were a teenager, you oh, were- is, We're going we're gonna to share all my stories? We're <laughs> going to share all them? <laughs> listen, I wasn't even there, so I don't know them. Lucky for you. <laughs> But, you know, you talked about not lasting. Yeah. I mean, that was the fear when I was a teenage, right? It was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be like 10 seconds tops. And did it happen? Uh, the first time, yes. I will not. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that. <laughs> yes. You look a little not. ashamed. I look a little, yeah, I feel, I feel. But, you know, interestingly, the second time I had sex, it, I mean, it for me, it felt like hours, but I think it was like 20 minutes. And it was like, why did I go from something so fast to something that seemed like a very long time. Well, do you think it's because you were in your head? Because you knew that the first time it was quick. You didn't talk to your partner about it because you were young. You've shared with me before that you felt embarrassed that, you know, she was going to like tell her friends or something like that. And so then you get in your head about lasting. And then this is where performance pressure comes in. The idea that you're focused on a specific outcome instead of pleasure, right? And so it takes away all the pleasure. And I'm wondering, in that 20-minute scenario, <laughs> did you really enjoy yourself or were you too busy thinking about how long am I lasting? I'm sure there were points that I was enjoying myself. I just remember I just remember <laughs> listening to the music. And I'm like, I've been going now for like a good handful of songs. <laughs> Hang on, was it the doors? Why do I picture you, it, it being the doors? It was the doors. <laughs> It was. Break on through. I feel like, Brandon, in your late teenage years, because you were a little older, right? You were 18 or 19. Uh, Yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah, th thank you. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I think I can only picture you listening to The Doors, and I picture you with posters of Jim Morrison on your wall. I think you're mistaking me for my brother. Well, I've never done that. <laughs> I've never mistaken you for your brother. But I picture you with like posters of Jim Morrison. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, I can tell you what posters. I had one poster in my bedroom and it was Cindy Crawford. 
Not when you were 19. Uh, no, I was I was younger. <laughs> when yes. you were 11? <laughs> yeah, I was like 14 maybe or 15. Listen, I've been in your childhood bedroom because when I met Brandon, he lived at home. We were, we were pretty young. And I'm trying to think if there were any posters on your wall. No, at that point, I had moved down to the basement. That's where the magic happened. <laughs> <laughs> Super cool. Want to hear something funny? So when I, I remember using your computer because we didn't have laptops back then. And there were some... How old are we? Well, I'm just saying, well, we we, would, we couldn't afford laptops. Some people okay, had yeah, laptops. You had an old 486. <laughs> and I do remember seeing a picture of um, Carmen Electra pop up. Oh, okay. Were yeah. you a Carmen Electra fan? I don't know. I mean, maybe I was. I don't. I was a fan of anything I could download at that point. <laughs> anything free. <laughs> anything free. Okay, so if we go back to it, as I said, I think this person's absolutely on the right path. It's really not about you. And Brandon is saying that, of course, you know, think about going in with no pressure. I was also thinking about how do you talk about this? I think you alleviate some of the pressure and alleviate some of the tension and show support by asking them if they want to talk about it. So not insisting that you necessarily talk about it, although you also have a right to talk about how you're feeling and what you want and what your desires are, because we don't want to make this only about centering your partner. And sometimes when we experience something undesirable or something that might be classified as a sexual dysfunction, I don't love that language, but oftentimes when these things show up, the focus becomes only upon the partner who is experiencing it. But when you're in a partnership, you're actually both experiencing it. So I want to make space for you to also talk about your desires, your fantasies, your boundaries, your interests, your feelings beyond this specific issue. And then also making space for him to share how he's feeling if he wants to, but maybe not forcing him to. And it sounds like you already have kind of the, the groundwork laid for this. So maybe just to make space once a week to ask him how he's feeling, ask him what he's into. Maybe even, Brandon, you were talking about how it's helpful to... Checking checking in to see how you're feeling that day in your body. And I know that sounds kind of vague, but there are days where certain parts of my body feel more sensitive. And it's like, I would like you to focus in on those areas when we're having sex. So, I mean, it requires that conversation in advance, but if it means that it's going to heighten the pleasure, yeah, it's like today I'm feeling like my nipples really loving the feeling like I'm, I'm feeling really sensitive here like let's go with that or maybe it's during sex it's like yeah that's feeling really good it's that communication about what you're really into at the moment in that moment and that feels like a shift to pleasure right yes. just like let's tune yeah. in on what feels good in our body and and I do think that if that becomes the focus um, however you define pleasure I'm going to talk a little bit about physical pleasure that can help to alleviate some of the pressure maybe distract him from getting in his head because we talk a lot about mindfulness and you know sensual touch and mindful touch and that works for a lot of people but I also want to acknowledge that mindfulness practices can actually be more stressful for some people for certain types of people it may have to do with being neuroatypical it may just be a personal I guess difference or idiosyncrasy and I actually find this for myself that sometimes mindful breathing helps me to really calm down and be in the moment and sometimes mindful breathing pisses me off like the idea of doing it just gets me more in my head so I actually need the opposite of mindfulness which is an escape like I need to go to a fantasy land that is so far removed from reality. Like I need to think about something that is so far from where I am right now that it allows me to experience pleasure in my body. And I know that sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but it really speaks to the fact that human variation is the norm. There is no singular path to orgasm. There is no singular path to getting out of your head. Uh, and so having said that, I think tapping into fantasies 
and kind of playing with escapism fantasies, not again with the sole purpose of trying to have an orgasm, but with the purpose of just tuning into what feels good in the moment. So maybe, you know, he wants to share a fantasy with you. Maybe he wants to hear about your fantasies. Maybe you want to read fantasies together. Maybe you want to watch something that turns you on together. And sometimes that form of, I guess I could call it escapism, or you might even call it a form of distraction can actually allow you to be more in your body. I want to know some of these like far out there fantasies you're talking about. Seems like you're going real far out. So no, I'm not talking about like unicorns and little hobby people or anything like that. that, That's not my thing. Other people, that's their thing. And I love it. I have a very good friend who's super into unicorns. Actual, the idea of unicorns and unicorn dildos and stuff like that. For me, there's certain fantasies that take me over the edge. There are things that we could potentially do, like they're not that far out, but we're not doing them on the regular. They're not accessible to us on the regular. And they, they turn me on. And so when I do find myself feeling distracted, when I have days where I'm like, oh, I just can't orgasm. Like sometimes I just can't let go. Rather than tuning into the sensations in my body, I actually tune into these thoughts in my head that really turn me on. And I've told you them, like you're familiar with them. And quite frankly, I don't feel like sharing them right now there for us right now (laughs) but I go to them and then my body responds because sometimes you have to do something with your mind before your body follows so I want to just suggest that you explore your fantasies together and there are lots of different ways to do this I have podcasts on how to talk about your fantasies it may be that you do like a mad libs where you create the fill in the blanks where you kind of fill in the nouns and the verbs and the places and stuff like that it may be that you just talk about scenes that you're seeing on television or on Netflix or on HBO Max or whatever it is you're streaming that turn you on. It may be one exercise I do with people, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before, is we draw our fantasies. And both Brandon and I draw at like maybe a six-year-old level. So there's some humor in it. There's some levity in it trying to decipher what the hell it is we're drawing. Because mine always looks like a pony. I don't even want to insult six-year-olds. I mean, I can't even draw that well. That's true. Six-year-olds are very talented. Six-year-olds are very talented in comparison (laughs) to what I draw. Yeah, so I think just tuning into fantasies and fantasies that might be about the two of you they might be about other people they might be about other locations they might be about different roles you can play I think that's a fun place to start I'm also wondering if sensory deprivation would help to get him out of his head and into his body so uh, I think when we think about sensory deprivation we always think about blindfolds and sure that can be really cool but also sound can be very distracting and you can do deprivation or you can do overload like playing crazy loud music or turning porn on in the background to hear the sounds if that turns you on. I was also thinking that physical enhancers like a vibrating ring or just a a nice tight penis ring might mimic what he's doing when he masturbates and then I think that's a really important piece for the physical side and the practical side to ask him and talk about and consider doing it together whatever it he does whatever it is he does when he masturbates so does he use a tight grip does he use both hands does he use a sleeve does he watch porn is it darker is it lighter because if that is his habitual experience of orgasm the more of that that you can bring into your partner play again without pressure right just a little bit at a time the more you can experiment with those things that he already enjoys not only not necessarily with the goal of leading to orgasm but just with the goal of maximizing pleasure and so I think those are some places to start do what he does when he masturbates consider physical enhancers like it could be a tingly lube it could be a vibrating ring it could be a tightening ring talking in the bedroom outside in advance you might also want to explore prostate play 
because the new sensation, the excitement of that, the taboo nature of that, the more full-bodied pleasure sensation of that that doesn't necessarily involve an erect penis because sometimes when you play with the prostate, you can lose your erection, but you can still have those orgasmic sensations if you get to that point. And you can go back to the last episode. We talked a bit about prostate orgasms and I think we have previous episodes with Luna Matadas and Carlisle Jansen on prostate play and then sensory deprivation sensory overload and talking about those escapism fantasies i think those are some good places to start yeah and if nothing else you've just had a number of enjoyable sessions yeah and that's the bottom line babe that that you're hitting the nail on the head because this is about exploring for pleasure not for pressure and not for a specific outcome love it okay well i hope that's helpful like i said i think you're already on the perfect path and i think so many folks who engage with this material already kind of have the answers I don't want to say within them, but but, uh, I think sometimes we just need the reminder. And I think also the validation. We all need it. It doesn't matter who we are. I struggle with many of these things as well. So last week, we and the week prior, we were talking about all these different types of orgasms. And I want to go through a couple of more types of orgasms now with a focus on nipple and breast orgasms because I get so many questions. People are fascinated by nipple and breast orgasms. And Brandon has one very sensitive nipple that maybe he'll talk about. (laughs) Go from zero to 10. Go from zero to 100. I also thought we should talk about penis orgasms because in the mix, we we talked to you. You don't want your penis touched? (laughs) I want it touched, but like throwing a little nipple play Whoa. Okay, we're going that. Okay, we're going to go to the nipples, but we talked about clitoral orgasms, G-spot orgasms, cervical orgasms, and we haven't and we talked about prostate orgasms, and we haven't talked about penis orgasms. And I think people see penis orgasms as very straightforward. Like you touch the penis, you stroke the penis, you suck the penis, you slide the penis, it's going to create an orgasm. But I wanted briefly to talk about five hot spots to do with the penis that are worth playing with to either bring the penis to orgasm or to enhance orgasm. And that, these five spots are the F spot, the three spot, the B spot, the C spot, and the R spot, which is basically the whole penis, I know. But the F spot tends to be the most sensitive. And I think we might have talked about this recently to like licking and flicking, maybe a little bit of suction there, swiping. And the F spot is the frenulum of the penis. So we have frenulums throughout our body. We have a frenulum under our tongue, which is a little notch that holds it on. And the F spot is on the underside of the penis. And it's where the head meets the shaft. It's it kind of is the it's the connective tissue. It's not kind of. It is the connective tissue that connects the force skin to the penis. So if the foreskin has been removed, you're still going to have a little notch right there on the underside of the penis. So if you pull the penis out and <laughs> doesn't it make a sound? That, that's the exact sound. Every time I, I pull my penis out, <laughs> I wish there was a warning. <laughs> it's like a little notification on your phone. So if you pull the penis out, it's going to be on the underside facing the floor. So for sensitivity, that tends to be the hottest spot. And of course, we talk about the head of the penis being highly innervated and the F spot is kind of a part of that. Then we have the three spot, which is the lower third of the penis. So the base of the penis tends to be most sensitive to pressure. So you want to be gentle and playful around the F spot, but you tend to want to have more of a grip around the three spot. And most people during, for example, hand jobs and blow jobs and even during intercourse, oftentimes there isn't enough 
pressure. And in hand jobs and blow jobs, usually there's not enough pressure because you're not using enough lube. But if you add some lube into the mix, you can really squeeze around that spot. And even while you're having intercourse, if you reach down and play with that lower third and stroke it with your hands, if you can reach, it can also intensify the sensations. Yes, I love the third, the, the three spot. You do like that. Yes. I wish you have bigger hands. Just reach down yourself. For me, that that's the whole penis spot when you put the hand there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got the F spot, the three spot, then the B spot. So the B spot is the inner bulb of the penis. It is the million dollar mark. It is the lower third of the penis that is inside the body. I feel like we've maybe spoken about this recently. We have, yeah. I'm not sure when it was, but I recall Sorry, talking I'm always about talking it. about dicks, so I don't know where I <laughs> talked about it and where I didn't. So I don't want to repeat, but basically just behind the balls, if you put some pressure along the spongy tissue of the inner penis, you can you can really enjoy some sensation right there. Then the C spot is the correct ridge so that is the lower part of the head like the part that kind of sticks out like you know the shape of a mushroom if you like smush a penis against something and it creates that like mushroom mush, mushroom what I are you doing to to penises what no. are you doing to, to, art. to... it's art you it's, don't have to understand you don't have to understand it's art <laughs> it's a polack <laughs> just spraying it everywhere <laughs> so that part can be very sensitive like you can play with your tongue play with your fingers play with your nose play with a toy and then finally the R spot is the raphe, and the raphe is the line that runs from the butt over the perineum up on the underside of the penis all the way to the tip. So if you can play with a tongue there, play with your fingers, roll a vibrating toy, use your breath along that spot, especially during the early stages of arousal, right? So I don't think just drawing along a line along the raphe is going to necessarily bring them to orgasm, but it's a nice way to rile them up. So I'm going to stop there with penis orgasms. You're going to stop there, but you should tell everyone to go to happiercouples.com and take a look at your Pleasure the Penis mind um workshop your video mind-blowing pleasure yes absolutely yeah go on over there podcast is the code to save 25 percent happiercouples.com mind-blowing oral for the penis but the one for the clit is better so check that one out too <laughs> any tips since you have a penis uh you know what experiment on your own if you don't have a partner go into the shower play around see what you like that way you can tell your partner what you do like when they start when you start having sex with somebody else if you're not you know, knowing what you like, but being willing to kind of expand and try different things. What do you like? I mean, I, I, I like the, um, well, <laughs> we're going to talk about nipple play in a minute. Yeah, well, go ahead. <laughs> get right into it. No, but I mean, for me, I, it, it, it also depends on how I'm feeling that day. Like sometimes I find, you know, like the head of my penis is more sensitive. And then other times it, it might be, you know, the lower third. It really, it kind of just depends how I'm feeling that day. Hmm. Why do you think that is? I'm not sure. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm. I just know that sometimes uh, different sensations throughout the body. I don't think it's uncommon. For, no, yeah, for sure. It, it's, I thought you were making fun of me. For no, 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 no. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Okay, okay, big guy. No, I was just curious if like you noticed any patterns. Like for me, I know it has to do with my menstrual cycle. Yeah, I don't have that. Yeah. But I was thinking that I should probably document it because it might be interesting, but... Um, for sure. I mean, a sex journal is, I think, could be super useful to see like, okay, so why, not, not to, you don't have to have an answer to every single why, but to try and understand like, why does this feel more sensitive at one time versus another? Or even just in realizing what makes it, what amplifies sex. So even if you're paying attention to that, where it's like, you might not have a sex journal every single time, but if you have a sex journal every time something is great, mm. then at least you can go back and be like, oh, here's the, here are the patterns. You know what I mean? Got like, a one page sex journal. <laughs> it's like three lines. But just understanding that I think might amplify. And again, it's something that I don't do, but it's something that I could do. And why not? 
For me, what makes sex the hottest is almost never physical. It's all the feelings I'm feeling around it. Hmm, interesting. Like the excitement for me, for the buildup comes from how you make me feel, how I'm perceiving you in that moment. And then I, I'll say that like your excitement definitely intensifies the pleasure for me. Like if I know you're really into it. It's not the bloop. No, the bloop is bloop. <laughs> bloop is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. I won't make sound effects for the other ones. You're welcome. It's awesome. What about when there's an erection? <laughs> okay, we'll record those for a soundboard. Oh, wait, well, we're talking about you and your penis. Great. So let's talk about your nipples now, because we're going to talk about nipples and breast orgasms, which apply across the board, regardless of gender, regardless of genitals. And we know, like, for women, breasts are often at the forefront of sex play, and, and like, and for good reason. So, of course, they can be a source of pleasure, but many people can actually have orgasms from breast and nipple stimulation alone with no genital touch. And it's interesting because there is some research in this area. So there were some Rutgers University researchers who used I think it was MRI technology to get a better understanding of this experience of breast orgasm. And they found some really interesting brain activity when there was nipple stimulation. So the genital sensory cortex, which is the same region that is activated by stimulation of the vagina and the clitoris and the penis, this same area is actually activated through nipple play and the hypothesis is that these shared neurons release oxytocin which induces pleasure and relaxation and actually spikes to peak levels just before orgasm so there's the nipple part and the nipples obviously aren't the only sensitive part of the breast Uh, in fact there's other research suggesting that many people identify the area right above the areola as i hate that word areola (laughs) it's not your jam as the most responsive to sexual touch and the other thing we have to remember is that breasts actually change during arousal so they can swell and the sensitivity changes so you're the nipple person it is your left nipple i always say it's your right nipple you're giving away my secrets man sorry man okay tell us about your nipples babe no that's it that's that's that guy i got nothing else well what do you like done to it licked sucked that's it i do (laughs) not i don't think i'm down with the biting no, not so much. I wish you were. No, I know you want to bite me. I love biting. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, maybe I can be into it, but. You bite though. Yeah, I bite. So you think it's okay for you to bite? Yeah, that's where it's not about being bitten. I'm talking about what I like. Oh, I love biting. It's so primal. I wish more people would just let me bite them. I've had someone, you've had someone bite you. I know, I had a bruise. And you had a giant mouth bruise on your arm. I don't want people to bite me. I want to bite them. Okay, well, we've got two biters here. Okay, let's so be honest. So there's a problem. I've bitten people and I've gotten in trouble for it. I think you've bitten me and gotten in trouble for it. No, I've never bitten you that hard. Bit my arm, man. It hurt. When? Probably when you were drunk. <laughs> but not in a sexual way. No, it was, I don't know. I don't want to say malevolent, but it was like... <laughs> <Not> malevolent. <laughs> yeah, primal. I, I really like biting. I don't just like biting for sexual gratification, although I do like that. I just like biting. Okay. Okay, we'll have to do yeah. a whole... I, I need a psychologist to come on and... But it's a primal thing to bite and to suck. So you like your nipples licked and sucked. That's all you have to say? That is it. That is it. When? How? Tell us more. Jeez, so many details you need. Um, it, it really could be... Well, once we we're getting into sex, like once I feel like we're, you know, a handful of minutes in... Uh, <laughs> we're so, you know, when we're, we're, you know, when we're done. <laughs> no. No, when we're... When we're not right away. <laughs> put me on the spot again. So not right away. Start having sex. The blood's flowing. Um, I find that when we're having sex, it just, it amplifies. I don't know how to explain it other than it's like, 
it takes the sex from a seven to a ten. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so you don't like it in the beginning, but I know, okay, I don't know how much I want to say here. I know with, for example, like hand jobs and stuff like that, you also like nipple play. Yeah, yeah it doesn't. I just said, it's got to be like five minutes in. <laughs> just don't start right away. Oh, I didn't know that. Don't start right away. Yeah. Well, don't wait too long though. <laughs> don't, don't wait too, don't this wait too long. This guy is so specific. It's like, and go. Okay. I've got my small window. It's like making kale chips. If you don't cook them really? long enough. You just equated my nipple sex yeah. with kale chips? Yeah. Because if you if it's a minute too short, they're soggy. And if it's a minute too long, they burn. From the person that does not want to eat vegetables or who eats vegetables with a glass of water. Not kale chips. I would eat them without water if you made them. Listen, okay. I'll get your nipple window just right if you can make me some you know kale what? Chips. Sure, I'll make some kale chips. Okay, cut away the stems, though. I don't like the stems. Okay, princess and the pea. <laughs> okay, so Brandon likes his nipples played with, so I thought I'd share some ideas of how to play with nipples and breasts since Brandon's only got lick and suck in his repertoire. I don't want anyone coming up, though, and giving me purple nurples. No, nobody's going to touch your nipples without consent. Okay, just making sure. Okay, okay. Sure. Brandon's new to being in the public. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, clearly. Okay, so, well, actually, why don't you give me some ideas of how to play with breasts and nipples? Do you have any? You know, I like soft. I like, I'll touch softly, mm -hmm. and then I'll mix it up with, um, like more, not aggressive, but a, a stronger, a stronger touch <laughs> as well. So a bit of both. You do do um, that. You do I, that so well. I, I use breath play. I also use my facial hair to, um, to caress. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to grow mine out. <laughs> okay. What else? I don't just go straight to the breast. I might be caressing other parts of the body and then work my way up to the breasts. That's all I'm going to, that's where I'm going to stop for go. now. Do we, and, we, and we're we done. And we're done for today. Okay, I have to refocus here. I'm laughing and crying at the same Wait, time. you're laughing at my breast play? No, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I, I think that's so true. Just kind of teasing the sides, the backs of your fingers along the sides of the breast, teasing by breathing warm air all around the area until they're kind of begging for you to kind of suck them into your lips, um, sliding your lips over the nipple and kind of twirling your tongue all around the areola with a wide, flat tongue or curling your tongue around the underside of the chest while you kind of run the backs of your hands down the sides with the softest touch, obviously talking to them and telling them how much you like them and they're perfect and showing admiration and telling them you can't get enough of them. You might just start on the outer edges and slowly circle toward the center with your nose, with your chin, nice if you have facial hair, with your lips, with your tongue, with the backs of your hands. You can also really gently roll their nipples as gently and lightly as possible between your thumb and index finger. You could do a little nibbling as they get closer to orgasm, so not necessarily biting. Some people are into biting. Again, you just have to talk to your partner. Brendan apparently isn't into biting. But if you can find a partner who is Brandon into biting. Brendan doesn't like to be bit. <laughs> What's this guy's problem? But what, we, what most of us find, and I don't know if this affects you in a similar fashion, but as you become more aroused, and oxytocin floods the body, the pain thresholds can double and that overlap between pleasure and pain can kind of intensify the sensations. And there's another part of the brain that they associate this with. They call it the anterior cingulate region of the brain gets activated. So you can do a little more nibbling. You could do like a pinch and release at orgasm. You could play with ice cubes or popsicles and then lick it all up. These are a lot of ideas. These are. And this essentially, that's what I was saying when I talked about five minutes. All that technical <laughs> stuff you just said. It's what I meant by five minutes. Okay. 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 <laughs> the other thing 
that I'll, I just remembered that I'll do is focus on multiple areas of pleasure where it's mm -hmm. like, I'm not just focusing on the breast. I might be touching your inner thigh or touching the stomach or something like that so that the, the pathways of pleasure are, are multiple at the same time. I like it. I like it. And then, of course, there are toys, right? There are mm, kind of the accoutrements. Yeah. So you can use a tingly lube. So I, you probably know, folks, I work with Astroglide, and they have a fairly new product called Quiver, which is designed to create a little extra tingle all across the body, in, including your nipples. You can also use clitoral vibrators with more of a tapered tip. And I would say more of a rumbly, deeper vibe. That would be really good for playing around the nipples. You can find nipple suckers online. You can find nipple clamps. As you know, I I've been working with Love Shop. So Love Shop has a huge selection of nipple clamps and nipple suckers. So you can head to loveshop.ca or loveshoptoys.com. Probably the easiest one is loveshoptoys.com. And if you do me a favor so they know that you found it through me, it's loveshoptoys.com slash Dr. Jess. But just loveshoptoys.com, if you use code Dr. Jess, you're going to get 15% off. And if in, I didn't pick any specific ones because there are honestly so many different ones on the market. Like they have pumps, they have kind of wider based ones, they have these silicone little kind of nubbins that look like a door hanger. They've got nipple pullers. They've got the tighter clamps. They've got kinky stuff. So if you just kind of put nipple in the search bar at loveshoptoys.com, you'll find what you need. And again, if you are shopping, use code Dr. Jess to save and so that they know that you heard about it here. Yeah, you know, you've got a, a landing page with loveshoptoys.com, but they should have one for me with nipple stuff. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I will ask them. Listen, we'll try and get that set up. <laughs> I'm not going to say the URL yet. <laughs> it's going to be not Dr. Brandon. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so nurse Brandon, something like that. Although no, because nurses do serious no. jobs. We cannot just give you that title. No, do not Shout give me that Shout out to the title. nurses who have been, listen, we're from Toronto and they are fighting the good fight and we are losing them because they are being treated like absolute garbage. Their incomes have effectively gone down because of wage freezes. And I am 100% on the side of the nurses and want to thank a nurse today. So if you are a nurse, thank you for the work you do. We are lucky to have you. None of our medical system would operate with without you. And I think because it is a traditionally a role that has been traditionally taken upon by women and in a city like Toronto, particularly by brown women and women of color, they face so much disrespect. Like I talked to so many, I've a couple of friends who are nurses and they basically get treated like they're just there to clean up after you. So did a little left-hand turn left there, turn. but shout out to the nurses. We appreciate you. Yeah. I'd say go out and buy nurses a coffee, um, a, a cake, a tea, just anything a kombucha, at all. If they're a go rub their nurse. feet. Just do something. Oh, well, I mean, ask them before you rub their feet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Just like you have to ask Brandon before you suck his nipple. Do I have to ask? I never ask. Yes, you need to ask. I cultivate consent in a different way. It's a, it's a different thing it's and a long-term thing. Okay, we're going to stop there because that is a lot. Hopefully you'll go and try some of these things. Curl your tongue under the soft fold or the underside of their breasts. Compliment them. Do a little nibbling. Slide your lips around and just twirl. Play with the tingly lube. Play with the clamps. Take your time. Don't worry about orgasm. I know that I said we were talking about nipple orgasms, but this is really about pleasure. And if an orgasm happens to come out of it, all the better perhaps or perhaps it's not even the better maybe you're like oh no now i'm done do you think you could orgasm from nipple play alone um you know what i'm willing to try 
Hey, hey. How long is it going to take? <laughs> you know what? Five minutes. Five okay. Minutes. I've got that. And don't forget about going and exploring all of those spots on the penis, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it. That's the plug for, no, for, for penis. No, for real. For real. No, I, I do think we get hung up on stroking the penis and sucking the penis. And I think that if there's a mistake that people who are good in bed make is that we go right to the heavy stuff instead of riling up and taking your time. Like when you talk about the F spot, you can take your tongue and just stick it out and swipe it over that F spot with like a windshield wiper. With the Rafi, you can draw a line with your tongue and leave a wet path and then breathe warm air over it. You can take a, a vibrator and gently press it all around the balls or you can roll it up and down the shaft or you can let them sit on a vibrator so they get that B spot. The options are endless. Well, rather than thinking about this, just the ultimate goal of which is having an orgasm, well, I'm not saying it's your ultimate goal, but that's what people generally want. Think about it as you said, it's a, it's a path down pleasure lane. <laughs> And with that, <laughs> thank you so much for being oh, having here, a great time. Thank you for listening wherever you're at. Hope you have a great one. Next week, we are talking full body orgasms. So make sure you subscribe, share. If you like it, leave us a review. Thanks, folks. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. <laughs>